Radio EcoShock takes a look at all the cutting-edge top scientists, authors, and activists, and issues from climate change, oceans, forests, pollution, solar storms, the economy, and peace. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m., right here on Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9, and all over the world at WERU.org. That's Radio EcoShock, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gambell and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main wind jammers for more than 30 years at 16 Lime Rock Street in Camden, gambellandhunter.com. Support for WERU also comes from Allen Insurance and Financial of Rockland, Camden, and Belfast, helping to insure Maine boats and their people since 1866, an employee-owned company, allininsuranceandfinancial.com or 800-439-4311. Stay tuned in about 30 seconds for Boat Talk. You're going to enjoy it. Hey, it's 45 degrees outside and overcast. We're looking at a chance of rain tonight, 30%. Uh, Tonight, 34 degrees. Uh, with a little bit of rain. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and 40, and we're looking at 23 degrees tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Mostly sunny on Thursday and 45 degrees, so it's almost spring, and it's nice, but it's not yet. Maybe it will be soon, but let's hold off a little bit longer. Stand by for Boat Talk. It's coming your way right now. Good afternoon, and uh, I'm supposed to say welcome to Boat Talk, but I'm having a panic attack. Why? Alan Sprague isn't here. <laughs> That's because his wife booked him early on the plane yeah. before we changed the schedule. And uh, I don't ever start the program, okay? There's a lot of things that Alan does that I don't ever worry about, so I feel... You ever see the Far Side cartoon? It's one of my favorites. you got the elephant sitting at the piano having a panic attack going... I can't play this thing. I'm a flute player. <laughs> yeah, but do you have a cheat sheet? I don't have a pun. <laughs> All the I che- I've I've come up with a lot of stuff to cover my butt, but I thought I didn't think of a pun. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we'll we'll survive, man. Uh, opening uh, music there by our friend Schooner Fair. More about them later when we talk to our uh, looping friend Dave Rowe, whose uh, dad was the bass player there, among other things. And uh, again, boat talk today. We've got uh, our friend John Johansson here this morning, uh, this afternoon, can't, you know. <laughs> well, it's the uh, change in time. Yeah, Boat Talk uh, and other public affairs programs have been on at 10 o'clock since this radio station started. It's 30-something years ago, and we've just switched them to the uh, 5 o'clock hour now and trying to make them more accessible. And Democracy Now! more current seems to be working. Uh, feedback is good. Hope you're out there this afternoon. Number back here... Uh, well, uh, 207-469-0500, and uh, we uh, run boat talk loose enough, uh, phone rings, uh, you know, we'll answer it. So, otherwise, we're going to be talking to uh, Dave and Stacy on Stink Pot. They're in uh, St. Augustine, Florida today, and then later, uh, Phineas Sprague down in Portland, uh, Yacht Services, about the upcoming uh, Main Boat Builders show. Um, You'll be there? Couple, I hope so. A couple weekends from now, yes. Oh, but, yep. oh man, I hope so. Yeah. A couple weekends. Well, uh, yeah, this weekend, weekend next after week. next. Yeah. 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 Down in Portland. Hey, uh, let's start with a couple of uh, good things in the nautical news pile here. And uh, this is kind of cool. From the Bangor Daily News in mid December, scientists put a set of underwater drones out in the Gulf of Maine, and one of them is charting a zigzag course up and down Maine's coast, starting down east and then working southwest. During its cruise, the glider's electronic ears have heard dozens of calls from finback and humpback whales, and on seven occasions, the call of the North Atlantic right whale. Figure they uh, can hear things in a uh, five-mile radius, 10-kilometer circle around the drones. There's right whales detected sporadically kind of throughout January, and that's showing us they are in the Gulf of Maine now. They are relatively close to shore. I mean, they're not that far out. It's showing real-time when we have whales present. It's really helpful to get that kind of information. Most recently, January 25th, whale songs about 50 miles southeast of Portland. 
And uh, they are hoping to use this to get better data to possibly not have to uh, make too much change in the fishery, lobster fishery, especially if the lobster lines are not bothering those whales, which is, you know, in contention whether they are or not. So, and the fishermen say, uh, not really. And, uh, you know, they've already changed the line once. So this uh, whale thing I think is... think more than once. Yeah. You're just down to the Rockland Fisherman's Forum, John. Oh, yeah. Bit of a time this year, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. The first was the wind people. Okay, offshore wind. Right. Yeah, they, yeah. They were there Thursday afternoon. Give a talk. Uh, got I stuff guess. to look at. Yeah. I had a booth to man, so I right, right. I sit in the booth all day, all weekend long, and we tell stories. So we get all the old fishermen to come in and just tell stories. About right in it. <laughs> and John is also uh, Maine Coastal News, uh, free uh, Maine's boating newspaper, and uh, free laying here and there up and down the coast. And one of my favorite parts, full of history. You're a history nut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just put up online on internationalmaritimelibrary.org, all one word, 54,000 ships. So you can actually go in and put in a keyword and chase down most vessels in Maine, but also worldwide. And I'm working on going to another, probably another 25 by the end of the month, 25,000. So we'll be up around 75,000 vessels you can search. Is that a pregnant pause? You okay? So, what else you got there? So, uh, we could talk about some of the uh, the boat building in the state. You know, there's a lot going on up and down the coast. Uh, uh, the, probably the biggest project that everybody's been following is the uh, Gloucester schooner Ernestina, now with a uh, Morrissey at the tail end of her name. Uh, she's been under uh, total rebuild at the Booth Bay Harbor shipyard, or now the shipyard at Booth Bay Harbor because Bristol Marine from Rhode Island uh, picked her up. And... Uh, She's all back together, and I think they're going to be able to start phase two, which is going to be uh, uh, actually putting in the deck, uh, no, the interior, and do the rigging. And then from there, the same group is up on Moosehead Lake, and they've put engines into, a new engine, into the Katy, which we know as Katahdin, yeah. built at Bath Ironworks in 1914. So those are some of the bigger projects on the coast. What you got there? Oh, just uh, like say, uh, weather news. John, in the studio here, um, I was I was I was listening to you talking about the stuff that's coming on the internet in the in the next uh, few. Well, the next week you're going to put twenty five thousand more on. Yep. Where does that stuff come from? Is that, are those pictures that you've got and information with the pictures or what? There will be some photographs, but the, the main uh, research has been done with a merchant, the, the list of merchant sailing vessels. And, you know, that on top of other annuals that were published throughout the world, all the way from back into the eight, early 1800s. But then also some of it comes from Custom House Records, which is... Somewhat reliable, but somewhat not. But even your annuals aren't reliable. You get sometimes conflicting results or uh, conflicting data. And it's kind of interesting trying to sort out. One thing I always tell people, they always use the captain's last name. But don't ever think that that comes from the same person. Because I have somebody down east where five family members took the same vessel. So trying to chase some of this stuff down and get who actually was on the boat at the time is difficult. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, um, we try to uh, mention the uh, uh, climate change and uh, most issues of boat talk and uh, a couple of things related to the main fishery here, too, that uh, kind of back it up. And last year was the second hottest year on record, and it trailed the hottest year, which was 2016, by only a tenth of a degree Fahrenheit. 
and was above average warmer than most regions. Uh, five years been past five warmest on record. And, um, you know, among other things, Maine fishing regulators are shutting down some of the most best scallop fishing areas in the state, Cobbs Cook, Whiting, and Denny's Bay. These were all down east Washington County. As uh, Cobbs Cook Bay thought to be, uh, you know, best scallop grounds on the state of Maine. And uh, they're shutting them down to prevent overfishing and preserve scallops for the future. Scallops took a dip uh, back in 2018. Uh, and they say the fishery, however, is in much better shape than it was 10 years ago. Do um, they use a metric tonnage so that you can't overfish it? I'm not sure how you they do You know, on uh, landings. I wonder if they yeah. use landings. No, I'm to, not sure uh, how they uh because that's how they do most of your fisheries. They, you know, there's so many, there's so much you can bring in, and once you hit that quota, then it's they close it down. Yeah. Um, here's one that uh, scares the crap out of me: the Gulf Stream. The what's Gulf. It, what's it doing? The Gulf Stream has slowed down about 15 percent in my lifetime since the mid 50s. You know who discovered it? Uh, Humboldt or uh, who? No, I think it was Ben Franklin. Okay. Um, Don't again, hold me to that one. Uh, it's said to be the weakest it's ever been in 1,600 years, and it's slowed down 1,500 uh, 15% in the last 50 years. So now, why? Uh, the Gulf Stream is a river in the ocean. It's a thermohaline pump. It works on differences of temper and salinity, mm -hmm. temperature and salinity. Okay, right. both of those are changing right now. The temperature is increasing, and the salinity is decreasing. Mm-hmm. And right now you have a, a warm ocean of water on top that uh, comes around Florida, goes up the East Coast, and heads over and makes England uh, not a bad place to be in the wintertime. I don't know. It's always foggy. Well, still, <laughs> it, mo it moderates the weather over in England and drives the weather in this, this uh, part of the planet, you know. Right. And, again, it's uh, uh, slowing down because of changes in temperature and, and salinity, and uh, consequences are, are already probably here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, stuff we're reading about right now. Here's an interesting idea. There's a thing called the Northern Lights Capture, Carbon Capture and Storage Project. This is over off of Norway. It's called the EOS Well. And what they've done is drilled a big hole in the uh, bottom of the ocean. And the idea is that you go to, uh, you know, a factory and you capture the CO2 when it comes out the stack. And you compress it and you store it in a can. Okay. Mm -hmm. You take that, put it in a ship, and send it to Norway, compressed uh, carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. That unloads shoreside and then is piped through a um, uh, big old uh, uh, you know, pipe uh, well offshore and into a well that is uh, one to 2,000 meters below the bottom of the seabed and to be stored permanently under there instead of uh, sent off into the sky. They've already dug the experimental well. It went, was quite successful, but they are not sure commercial viability uh, to be determined later. But partly they're thinking, you know, um, we're reaching tipping points here, and if somebody doesn't do something to get rid of some of this carbon dioxide, this is one of the big ideas. It probably is quite expensive, and again... This is uh, an easy answer. Uh, you go to hydrogen, and why have we not developed hydrogen power? Uh, sounds simple to me, but, you know... Well, who puts a stop to it? Uh, <laughs> Oil companies? Uh... <laughs> You know, uh, there is a vested interest, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, but all related, uh, again, to the uh, changing climate. And uh, the other big changing thing right now is, is this uh, virus thing going on, and that's going to affect the coast of Maine some, too, because of eels. Let's start with eels. They get shipped to China and Japan. Mm -hmm. um, that may not happen in the volume that it uh, did last year. The eel fishery is now the second um most uh, valuable fishery in the state of Maine, $20 million last year. That follows lobsters. and uh, They were, what, just over 100 grand? 100 million? Oh, uh, I think so. I think it was 20 million last year. No, no, for uh, for lobsters. Lobsters, yeah, right up there or something. Yeah. Like. It's quite a bit more, yeah. Um, so anyway, the market is already said to be down a quarter, and the eels that sold for $2,000 a uh, pound last year are already no, no more than $1,500 is going to get this year. And, um, we do have a few eel fishermen in the state of Maine. It's the uh, biggest place that catches them and sends them over there, basically. And, uh, again, times is changing. Uh, weather might not be helpful to it. Um, 
ships, of course, come here. The cruise ships that come here uh, may things may be changing this year. The first one that comes was uh, the Amsterdam. Now Amsterdam is right now in Singapore and New Zealand, and it's due to be in Portland at the end of May. Okay, these things get around. Mm-hmm. These cruise ships they get around, and uh, that may or may not be uh, going through. And um, but it is huge down here because. We remember talking to our uh, Penobscot Bay pilot, uh, Captain Friend, Captain Skip Strong, about uh, boats coming in and out of Bar Harbor. Through uh, May to October, Bar Harbor expects more than 200 cruise ships, bringing 300,000 people. And about the same thing in Portland and uh, mostly the same ships passing by. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, man. uh, Have you been reading G, Captain? Yes. Did you, it's That's interesting. I, well, it's interesting to see, you know, how devastated is that industry going to be in three or six months? Well, um, the cruise ship industry is uh, taking it on the uh, lamb in the stock market right now, too. Uh, the other thing is uh, just general shipping. And apparently it took about a 20% hit uh, right when this thing started. Uh, China shipping went down about 20%, which has now recovered some. But they say uh, the difference is they're putting less cargo on the ships that are coming. So, um, but shipping has recovered a little bit. Things got to go places, and uh, man. Now, since you follow the news better than I do, what what's the virus doing in China? Is it status quo? Is it rising, or is it it's rising decre- rising everywhere? Isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't watch the news. No, as far as I can tell, it's rising everywhere. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, now, you were down to the uh, Rockland Fisherman's Forum, and here's a, a great, uh, it's an editorial, actually, uh, from the Bangor Daily News. Too few fishermen wear their life jackets, but the uh, story behind this is we lost uh, three fishermen um, overboard in Maine in, in uh, January. Uh, two that went offshore uh, 50 miles out, yeah, the boat they sank. Were, they were dragging. They were dragging. The boat was, uh, when the Coast Guard got out there with a the helicopter 90 minutes later, the boat was not quite submerged, and the life raft was trailing it, tied to it, but empty. Right. And the boys weren't there. So. And they were in the water. And they were picked up by another vessel who was actually given an award at the Maine Fisherman's Forum for his, yeah. I guess, what do they call it? Uh, Samaritan, good Samaritan. Yeah. Eight-foot seas, uh, 38 degrees. Yeah, it wasn't degree, nice out there. No, 38-degree water, not a good day at all. So, no. yeah. And another fella, a stern man, fell off of the boat in uh, right next to uh, the dock mooring in downtown Portland mm-hmm. and was seen doing it. His captain jumped in to help him. Um, Coast Guard was right there, and they pulled him out of the water immediately. But because the water was so cold, he opened his mouth and drank it uh, on, you know. right. Uh, un, unvoluntary response mm-hmm. to the shock of the cold water. He yep. didn't wasn't in the water long enough to be hypothermic. Right. But uh, because he had that bad response, uh, his head wasn't up. Uh, you know, um, he uh, drowned himself to death. So. And then, like I told you before, we went on the air. We lost one at the Fisherman's Forum, a guy by the name of Arnie Gamage from South Bristol. Yeah. Who was a fisherman from down there, but also I guess he uh, did an awful lot for the industry. You know, by being on committees and such. And I don't know what his involvement was with the Fisherman's Forum, but he happened to be there Wednesday night when he passed away. Yeah. Hey, uh, there's one more thing that uh, just went down. It uh, involves a boat, too. And, and uh, I divide the world uh, geographically into right and wrong side of the Penobscot River. The east side's <laughs> the right side, you know. Keep, keep, keep America across the moat, you know. Hey, um, I'm on that side. They're smart, <laughs> and they're smart enough to come over here and enjoy themselves. And the other is... Uh, uh, Dave is on. Especially about leadership. Uh, good captain, bad captain. Mm-hmm. Okay? And a uh, bad captain is a horrible, horrible thing. And our uh, big captain, the uh, great leader, the President of the United States, said about a boat full of sick people off of uh, San Francisco, California. He says, I don't want it here. I don't need to have the numbers double because of that one ship that wasn't our fault and as a leadership example absolutely appalling bad 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 captain um you know blaming others uh not thinking of others uh you know um absolutely appalling so uh, so now you know why i don't watch the news like i say bad captain and speaking of captains i hear our friend captain dave Rowe might be on the phone i'm here D- Dave, good afternoon. How are we doing? We're 
We're doing all right. We're uh, at anchor in St. Augustine. What's your temperature? Oh, outside or in the water? Oh, outside. <laughs> it's uh, oh, probably right around 75 degrees. Ah, uh, we're, we're we're almost 50. Tough. It's got oh. a raw it's it's got a raw edge to it. You couldn't convince me it was a warm day today. <laughs> it's got a little edge to it. But um. Now, Dave, you were anchored off of, uh, if we go to Facebook, uh, Adventures of Stinkpot, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, beautiful uh, sunset photo of you anchored off a Spanish fort off of St. Augustine, Florida, with a cannon pointing at you. <laughs> yeah, that was an uncomfortable moment uh, until we realized the cannon wasn't loaded. But uh, <laughs> a gorgeous place. We spent uh, two nights there. Uh, Matanzas, uh, Fort Matanzas on the Matanzas River. In the Matanzas Inlet, nice. uh, and it was built in 1740. Absolutely gorgeous fort. We uh, we went through it, took a tour uh, yesterday, uh, and just to to be in something that old and that well preserved, it was it was cool. And you've moved now further into St. Augustine Harbor. Yeah, we are uh, we are up the river, as they say. We're we're by St. Augustine Inlet, and uh, we're just across the water from the big fort here in St. Augustine now. So we went from one fort to the next. Uh, and tomorrow, uh, when the glue's dry on the dinghy, we're going to take it over and check it all out. Last time we talked to you, you was on the Gulf of Mexico side. And um, now uh, St. Augustine is uh, just a little bit south of Jacksonville on the Atlantic. Uh, right up, uh, you'll be running out of Florida pretty uh, soon. You've been making some tracks. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to try not to run out of Florida too soon. We're <laughs> going to go as far as jacksonville and then we're going to go down the st john river so we're we're headed south again for a little while take it all the way to sanford which is almost to uh orlando all right how do we get from the uh gulf of mexico to the atlantic side we didn't go all the way around the bottom of the keys did we no no we skipped that we went across the okeechobee waterway uh which is a a system of a couple of rivers and some ditches and and uh, lake okeechobee Five locks uh, takes mm-hmm. us takes us right across the state from uh, oh gosh uh, Fort Myers area over to uh, Stewart area. Five locks? You wouldn't think Florida would have that much uh, elevation for for locking. Well, it was five locks, but it was only twelve feet, so they yeah. could have done it with two. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, One of the locks we went through wasn't even uh, in in. Uh, uh, service at the time it was they had both sets of doors open you still had to radio to get permission to go through because you couldn't see through to the other side to make sure there was nothing coming but uh it's quite a quite a trip i've come to enjoy florida over the years uh mostly because there's just a bunch of uh uh, wild people there you know and uh but on the other hand i ain't no flatlander and the idea of the highest thing's a garbage hill and uh, you know it's a sandbar so um but i have uh taken to florida because of people things so um, have we, um, we've been traveling, uh, safely and well, been having a good people times too. We've been having a lot of good people times actually. Uh, we, uh, have caught up with some, some friends from Maine, people that I, uh, went to high school with and keep bumping into people. I know it's, it's, it's an amazing thing down here. It's like being in Maine, except it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to see our friend, uh, the humble farmer, Bob Scoglin over in what, uh, Fort Myer? Uh, yeah, he's in, yes, that, exactly. that work out? You got tied to a private dock, hang out with Humble? Well, we, we tried to tie to his private dock, but he didn't have enough water there. So <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. We couldn't see down into the water to know there wasn't enough water. We were just depending on what he told us, uh, which was he, he went out there with a two-by-four and stuck it in the water. And he said, oh, I got about four feet. Yep. And we got there. We only need 38 inches, but the four feet was in the wrong place. <laughs> and I got I got the bow into the dock, and I was trying to swing the stern in. Uh, and all of a sudden, she just came to a stop. Uh, the, <laughs> the keel met the bottom. And soft. I, I, it, yeah. And I, I know it was soft there. Uh, I I had a line on, on one of the dock pylons, and I, I, I could have pulled this in. But I don't know that I would have gotten us back out again. Right. So we uh, we <laughs> we decided that it wasn't the place for us, so we went another four or five miles uh, across the river, and, and there was a, a free dock in uh, LaBelle, Florida, which is just down the road from 
from Humboldt. And he came and picked us up and took us to, to lunch, and uh, we had a heck of a time. Nice. Um, oh, he took us to Dougie's. What's that now? Dougie's, Dougie's Seafood, which a, a, apparently is a, a landmark in uh, his area of Maine, St. George area, or, or I don't know if it's Camden Rock or something. But uh, uh, there's a Dougie's down here, the same owners and everything. You also uh, point out on the Facebook that um, when you went by Fort Pierce, you have lapped yourself on this trick. Explain that, please. I did what again? You've lapped yourself? Oh, recrossed your uh, track? Oh, yeah. We, we crossed, yeah, we crossed our wake is what we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we've gone around the entire loop at this point, and uh, now we're just headed for home, and we're taking our dear sweet time, because the last time we were in this neck of the woods, honestly, well, from here to uh, Washington, D.C. area, really, uh, we were in a terrible hurry. So even though we've been here before, we didn't really get a chance to enjoy it the way we're going to. So we're figuring it all out, and... and uh, Seeing things that we missed the first time around, and looking to see uh, see if we can't uh, rectify some of that. Nice, and be going back up the inter intercoastal waterway, in yep. inside. Yes, traveling Ex by, traveling we, we by day, dying up by night. That's right. We we may go outside for a piece, especially around Georgia. Georgia's having some problems. They passed a, a law uh, first went into effect first of the year that limits where you can anchor and how you can anchor and all kinds of stuff. Mm. And uh, an awful lot of boaters are, are just steering right around Georgia entirely because it's just, you don't know which anchorage is, uh, you know, usable at this point. Uh, unless you can get out with a tape measure and figure out what a thousand feet to a, a man-made structure is. Uh, <laughs> if you are, if you are tying up within a thousand feet of a man-made, or I should say anchoring within a thousand feet of a man-made structure, uh, with the exception of marinas, uh, you are in violation of Georgia law. This, oh, good lord! Yeah, I found that Doug's seafood. That's in Port Clyde. It's in Port Clyde. Yeah. All right. Uh, we we had a heck of a time. It was good. It was really good. Dave, you um, again can work that boat. A uh, good story in there. You got pinned on a yacht club dock the other day by the wind, and we did. Uh, Would have had to pay an expensive. Uh, Docking fee if you couldn't have got off, but you uh, managed it with spring lines. Yes, indeed. Yep, I uh, like I, I like people that can spring a boat off a dock. Not everybody knows how to do that, you know. Yeah, we we had to do it, and I mean, mind you, I couldn't have done it uh, when when we were really pinned. It was blowing probably thirty thirty five miles an hour, steady. Uh, and I couldn't have even sprung off then. I just waited. I looked at the mm. uh, the wind forecast, and it was going to come down to about you know fifteen twenty miles an hour later in the afternoon. I said, you know, once I get to that point, I'll be able to spring off. Uh, and so we just waited it out, and then you know I I probably could have gotten off uh, with the spring line earlier in that stiff wind if it wasn't for the fact that there was a boat oh about twenty twenty five feet behind me, and there was a boat. Uh, about 45 feet ahead of me, and I just didn't have the confidence that I you, could get out of there once I sprung off without hitting one of them. And afford to uh, repaint either kind of one of those. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's the thing. In a, in a yacht club like that, mm. <laughs> there aren't any cheap boats. No, that all-grip job would have been expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, assuming you had a good line handler helping you, our friend Stacy. I, I did. Yeah. Stacy uh, was right there with us. Uh, I, I told her what to do, and she, you know, as soon as I, you know, I started out by putting it in reverse to pull the, the bow away, and uh, it worked just like, just like they say in the movies. Nice. And uh, as soon as we were, we had the bow out, I said, "Now start bringing that line in," and I put it to her, and we were off. Nice. She did. She did an excellent job. And we're uh, due home uh, when, more or less. Oh, June first or so. Wow, well, it's coming quick. Uh, yeah, quicker than uh, it needs to. But you know, as long as I'm not in cold weather, I'm I'm pleased. So. All right, uh, take your time for a little bit too. 
Um, let's say this too, which I uh, started to bring up last month. Um, we also, uh, besides uh, Facebook Adventures of Stinkpot, there is a wonderful um, page on the web there, DaveRowMusic.com. And yep. Dave has uh, been doing it since he was a kid. His dad was uh, Tom Rowe, now passed, and a uh, member of Devon Square, our friend Schooner Fair, who uh, did our opening music this morning. A couple of bands with his boy and some other people. And uh, you've been around, done it for a while. You are more than capable, uh, as far as I can tell, about the singer-songwriter thing. And you have a, uh, a bit of a flair for a maritime tale. Now, here's the point I'm getting to. Um, you can't sing love songs without being a lover. And your sea time, I'm, I'm thinking, is going to help you be a better maritime musician. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, you, you, you have to know, you know, have to have the lingo down in order to do this stuff. <laughs> and you can't fake experience. you got to put time in, you know. You use as many books as you want, but being there, there's really no substitute. Exactly uh, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Being there and getting the time. Um, and, uh, man, can't wait to uh, I see you've already got a show booked when, in Maine somewhere when you get back. And, uh, you know, sky's the limit. And uh, you got another stop, right, in Maryland? Yep. Yeah, I have a, I have a show uh, on... May the 9th, in, in actually it's in Alexandria, Virginia, which right. is might as well be Maryland. It's right there by Washington D.C., and uh, it's for the World Folk Music Association. Uh, they they are kind enough to let me grace their stage a couple times a year, uh, and and have really supported my career through the years. So I was I was glad to uh, uh, do a, do the re- the return concert with them. Uh, when we uh, when we set off in June, we set off from Maryland, uh, and uh, fine fine group of folks. Nice, and again sharing music and and everything else. Uh, what could be better? And uh, traveling by water, which I think you guys have been quite taken by. You may be scarred for life now. <laughs> yeah, we are damaged. The boat talk. <laughs> the call it the boat talk question. What happened to you when you? What happened to you when you was young? Messed you up about boats, you know. And and again, uh, uh, good for you guys uh, having the adventure and sharing it with us. And uh, man, please keep traveling safely. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yep. No, we're we're doing great. I- you know, from here, like I said, we're going to do the St. John's River, and then it's it's up the coast. Uh, and well, I guess if if I was going to say a month from now, where would we be? Uh, I would guess you're probably going to catch up with us somewhere. You know, it's probably South Carolina, perhaps. Sure. Hey, Dave, you get desperate. Um, I get a couple of hundred dollars a day, and uh, you fly me in and out and uh, feed me all the time. You know, and uh, so anyway, if you get, if you get really desperate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah. Professional Mariner, a great delivery crew. So, hey, um, like I said, uh, so good to talk to you, man. Uh, give Stacy a hug for us, please. Will do. Thanks, guys. All right. Captain Dave Rowe is off of uh, St. Augustine, Florida this evening and traveling. What we call the loop. I'm thinking that's Dave in the background, courtesy of our friend John Greenman, who's engineering. <laughs> Yeah, flashing his telephone at me. Wow, man. <laughs> and uh, uh, so anyway, the kids have uh, uh, bought a uh, 38-foot bay liner. They left Portland, Maine last summer and went uh, up the Hudson River, Erie Canal, across the Great Lakes, down the Mississippi, and, uh, uh, you know, are now around Florida and coming back to Maine. It's called the Great Loop, and we've been talking to them all along. You can check the Boat Talk archives or... Uh, Adventures of Stinkpot at Facebook or DaveRollMusic.com, all highly recommended, yeah. So, What's some of these other loops that people do? Oh, I get confused, uh, but there are there are a couple. Uh, right. Yeah, and they've mentioned them. I, I think there's a northeast one might involve going up around Newfoundland or some such. Or uh, Well, I know somebody we're going to talk to soon is getting ready to go uh, get uh, Lion's Whelp ready to go up into Canada. Right. Uh, we'll be talking to him soon. And, again, um, Hudson River uh, connects with the St. Lawrence Seaway, doesn't it? It should. Yeah, yeah. I believe that was a big project back in the 50s. So. I remember one lobsterman being asked in Belfast how far, the, how big this pond was. He said it went all the way to England. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, boat talk this morning, and we just talked with uh, Captain Dave Rowe, and, and we'll be talking to Phineas Sprague about the upcoming Maine Boat Builders show in just a little while. Telephone number. 
Um, and it turns out that if somebody is on the phone, nobody else can call at the present time. We're working on adjusting that. It's not a good rig for a talk show. But if you'd like to speak with us this afternoon, uh, please give a call, 207-469-0500. And uh, we also like a good book on boat talk, and this one has just blown me away. It is More by Eye Than by Measure, The Maritime Life and Art of John Pryor Gardner, Sandra Dinsmore, Penobscot Bay Press out of Stonington, Maine. And uh, I knew John Gardner, now passed on, uh, lived down in Castine. His daughter Julianne's a musician who I also know. And um, John, uh, a phenomenal artist and ship model maker and uh, a great bicycle rider. You see John out around all the time when he was still here. And uh, this book is tremendous. John started out tugboats off of uh, New York City. And a couple of good uh, talk. Here's a here's a little good story about uh, uh, we got a call, but we'll tell this little John Gardner story first. He's deckhand on a tugboat, and uh, they're going to make up with a, a barge. Okay, he's on the back end of the boat. Captain's up front. They can't see each other. Captain says, "When I give one toot, I want you to slack off on the stern line. When I give two totes, you make her tight." Okay, John's back there. Here's a big toot. Let's the thing go. Captain takes off, and all of a sudden, the captain doesn't realize what's happening. The stern's been let go, and it was a train whistle <laughs> that he let the, let the line go for. Whoops. Yeah, and now the barge is now <laughs> pivoting, swinging in front of the tug. Now now the bow lines both pop, and it goes under a, uh, a big bridge and uh, almost wipes the bridge out, goes ground. They almost take the bridge out trying to get that back. That wouldn't have been a good day. No, it wasn't a good day line handling. Oh, and, that was yeah. all right because you made it through. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, John worked the docks in New York City for 25 years, was a dock supervisor, and talks about the mob and, uh, you know, longshoremen. And, uh, That's not an easy job. Then there's the art story here. And, again, a hell of a book about a fellow who I admired quite a bit, more by eye than by measure, The Maritime Life and Art, John Pryor Gardner, Sander Dinsmore, again, locally uh, Penobscot Bay Press. Hey, John, somebody on the phone? All right. <laughs> Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Boat Talk. Who are we talking with? Yeah, I'm Bob Williams, Dungeon. Oh, geez, Bob. How are you? Yeah, and I was just at the forum. Yeah, Bob's a uh, lobster fisherman down to Stonington. Yeah, and I was going to, the fellow that died was Annie Gamage out of South Bristol, and he was a uh, lobster fisherman, but he was involved with the shrimp industry for years, and they gave him a award. Of course, he's uh, the fellow that took his place. He was an MLA member, Maine Lobster Association, and uh, I didn't. There was another thing on the whale, uh, tracking the whales. And I read in the paper that the nearest right whale they tracked was 50 miles offshore. Yep. So that wasn't, you know, in our area where Maine fishermen fish. We fish off the 40 miles. But hopefully uh, they'll get, that's what we're trying to prove, that the whales are not inshore. So. And Julie Eaton got up and spoke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know her well. I bet She's you do. My brother. Uh, the reason the boys are chuckling, Julie, is a reputation as being a little fierce. <laughs> she doesn't hold back. Is that fair, Bob? And What's that? And married now to Sid Eaton, who is uh, right. fairly legendary, doesn't hold back too much either. Uh, no, Sid, no, so. no, no, no. I've been around. And, uh, yeah, she's working actually in trade winds in Blue Hill in the fish market for the winter. All right. Uh-oh. So you run into her there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So oh, not yeah, only do you get fish, you talk, get... But there is a lot going on in the fishery industry right now. So. Uh, Thank you. None of them delicious little uh, shrimp this year, Bob. Yeah. That's now that's shame. true. There is. I talked with a fellow that was on the commercial fishery news front page. Uh, uh, just had an engine put in down to shipyard, Marshall Alexander, and he, of course, he's done a lot of shrimp towing and research, but he says there's a fair amount of shrimp, but of course, overall, in course, the rest of New England, there probably isn't, but They'll open it someday, maybe, but the water's warm, so not helping it. Yeah. Bob, you, uh, obviously you've been fishing since you were a kid, right? And you ain't a kid no more? Yeah, I get, when I got out of high school, 65 years, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've and, been around a few years and seen a lot of changes. Uh, would you rather been president or, uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, the fisherman. <laughs> uh, I think I'll stay with fishing. You're pretty independent, we have been, so we've been damn lucky. We've had been a good life. I've heard you're a bit of a highliner, too. I know who well, you are, and yeah, so yeah. good for you, Bob. Okay. Yeah. 
Hey, good talking to you this morning. Glad you're out there. This afternoon, yep. I'm glad you're out there. Yeah, I'm right in, I'm right in the cellar working on this painted rope. <laughs> you're making it purple? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So they can put your fingerprints on that Wouldn't whale. would Welch's yeah. grape juice work? <laughs> Somebody tried, uh, uh, you know, uh, food coloring, but yeah. they, I guess it didn't work. Oh, okay. Washed out. I don't know, that grape juice, Mike, because you can never get that out of clothes. Uh, oh, well, that's true. I'm painting it on. I'm making <laughs> fathom pieces, painting it on. Of course, uh, salt water is the universal solvent, more or less. Yes, so, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be all experiment this yeah. year. Hey, Bob, uh, good afternoon. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bob Williams, like say, uh, um, old fellow highliner uh, lobster fisherman down at Snowington. Glad to talk to him, yeah. And i uh, thinking we're going to have Phineas Sprague on the phone pretty quick, too. We got, nope, we got somebody else. Somebody else. Uh, good afternoon. Boat talk. Hey, real quick, you were talking about uh, hydrogen, which is something I was always interested in. Um, do we still remember that a regular gasoline engine will run perfectly on hydrogen? All it should do is run water injection? Right. And the, the the problem seems to be, well, it's a little hard to store. Uh, uh, it goes in these tanks that's like, like a propane tank, sort of right. a cylinder, and there, there's a hydride in there. It's a metal, and it absorbs hydrogen. I was looking on the YouTube last night, and the reason you can't get this metal that it stores the hydrogen, it's it's what the military uses to put the hydrogen in hydrogen bombs. Oh. And they got it all tied up where you can't get any of the yeah. stuff to do that. Well, that's probably so nobody can make a home homemade one. <laughs> but that's it's strange because I have a friend that uh, lives in Germany, and he's always argued that why are we building electric cars when we should be building hydrogen ones? Because the battery systems are, you know, kind of hard to deal with and stuff like that. But... He's always been a proponent to the hydrogen. I think BMW has a car that they market in the, in Europe. But I don't know that for sure. Now, regular, regular piston engine, all you do is run water injection because right. the, the flame is, is a little different. The flame is hotter. Right. Mm. Now, our last caller had uh, was some distinguished. So is this one. I've, uh, we've spoken before. You're up in Dover Foxcroft and uh, haven't had the tag analog anarchist put on you? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Good to hear from you, man. Mud season starting. Oh, uh, just take the ice away. I'm so tired of the ice right now. <laughs> well, it just went out of the stream by Frankfurt. And again, I uh, trading it for mud, which is what, but still, no more ice right now. Thank you. When do you think the ice will go out of Moosehead? Because I got to go up there this week. Oh, geez, hard saying. We yeah. got Finney. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mr. Anarchist. Good to talk to you this afternoon. Right. And we are doing boat talk. We uh, run the thing pretty loose, and we are hoping to talk about the main boat builder show coming up with our friend Finn Sprague. Any chance you're there, Finn? I'm here. Excellent. How you doing? I'm doing great. What a day. Yeah. Got a lot going on today. Sitting here with John Johansson. Oh, uh, John. Yeah. Finn, tell us about what's happening at the boat yard real quick. You let him in the, in the <laughs> studio with you? Oh, I'd be alone otherwise. Uh, you know, okay. this is better. Well, um the, the boat show's coming together. It always comes together sort of like an avalanche at the last <laughs> minute. Um, this would be the 33rd year, believe it or not. Wow. Right? And and one of the things that we started to think about was how many years of expertise do we have in these buildings? And we're up to 7,000 years now represented by the companies that, that are exhibiting here. Um, it's pretty amazing the brain trust that is just in the building alone, and then the the uh, you know we've got a whole the exhibit the attendees that come into the building are pretty amazing as well in terms of their experience. So this is a place where where there's a lot of information moving around, and if you've got a boat, and if you've got a question, you know it's a great place to come and and. Uh, we're pretty excited about the way this is working out. Finn, you, you're really making a big drive to get more uh, students to come. And you've got well, a, lo a lot of yeah. students coming this year, don't you? Yeah, we've got um, uh, we've got whole, whole technical schools bringing buses to, to look at the 3D Dorigo printed boat, mm -hmm. which is really, I you know, I, I want to see it myself. I want to touch it and, and see it because I remember... When uh, you know the idea of a fiberglass boat was kind of 
and a lot of skeptical people. Yeah, um, mostly at Wooden Boat magazine. Right. <laughs> so, so the um, you know we're every single business that is signed up is looking for employees. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And thirty-five percent of all the families in the state of Maine have got registered boats, and with those families come a whole bunch of kids. And you know, it's our job, I think, to show those kids that the marine industry is a good place where you can make a good living, where you can do something that you're excited about. Uh, and then, you know, you know, when you're when you're doing something that it has your passion, you know, there's joy in it. And, uh, uh, you know, the 3D Dorigo boat has really gotten a lot of interest. And, and hopefully we're going to let all the kids, all the students in the, the for free because we're just hoping that one of them or two of them will walk up to one of these boat yards or one of these manufacturers or even a, even a, a publisher and say, well, how do I stay in the marine industry because I love boats? Yeah, I'm not sure we want to chase them into print media. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's more than I, that's what I heard from some other people in print media as well. But <laughs> John, you've stuck at it for a long time, and I don't think I can see you doing anything else. No, you won't. And I, <laughs> I've got I enough think to if do. If you had a choice, you'd be doing just what you're doing. Exactly. Finn, you, um, as part of the activities at the Boat Show, which I uh, believe is weekend after next, uh, Warren yep. Avenue, Maine Sports Center, Portland, Maine, real, right. e- real easy to find. Uh, among other activities, have a problem-solving competition for kids. Marine, yes. marine uh, problem-solving, uh, like I say. Um, it's a marine troubleshooting contest, and, and there's the uh, uh, technical high schools bring their kids down. They have an opportunity to show their stuff. And and uh, get um, uh, scholarships and cash prizes and tools and 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 at the same time uh, go around and, and uh, meet some of the people that could be their employers in the future. Yeah, I googled There's nothing wrong with that. I googled the uh, main boat builders show this morning and uh, was very impressed by the idea of uh, you know just the boats, but. There is also two full days, wall to wall, of speakers and seminars, mm-hmm. and the list of uh, people and uh, th- stuff they're talking about just blew me away. Um, well, I, I think that that really what we what this is is a place where people who love boats, who love boating, who got boating questions, who got technical questions. I mean, I want to know. I got a boat. I got to paint the bottom. Uh, what's What's Pettit got this year? What has Interlux got this year? How would it change the way I did it? And, you know, I don't want to read the, have someone at Hamilton, who I love dearly, read me the back of the can and tell me if I think this is paint, it's my problem. Um, I want to talk to someone who knows what he's talking about. Uh, so speaking it's of- worth it for me. To Spe- walk around in the show. Speaking of you and people who know what they're talking about, uh, one of the other speakers is uh, you, Phineas Sprague. Uh, you sailed your schooner down to Newfoundland last summer. We went up to Labrador. Got up to oh, 53 please, North. please, please, please. Do you and know circumnavigation of Newfoundland? Do you know the book Glory of the Labrador Wild? I'm I'm at a loss. I'm sorry. Oh, God, absolute classic. I grew up on it. I'm a Farley Mowick guy myself. Yes, yes, and uh, we'll have to share that other with the absolute classic uh, Labrador tale from back in the day. So, so, so we've also got uh, the Cruising Club of America as a as a gam Saturday night after the show, and they've decided that they <clears throat> they 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 want to support uh, the, the idea of sail training, and so they've got a. They bought the rights to show a film called Celestial, uh, which which we're going to be showing during the show with their sponsorship, which is pretty neat. It's about the Tabor Boys' trip in the Marion Bermuda race, uh, Celestial only, and it's um, about a thirty-minute film uh, of of young kids discovering uh, what it's like to be at sea and to navigate with the stars. Did you ever sail on her? I did. I did. I, Captain I, Glacier? I went up to the Bright Oar Lakes and her under with Cap Glacier. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I won't, he was quite colorful, and uh, he adjusted my attitude on taking the helm a few times. 
would would you but, say more about that, please? Just, I, I just you how? Not on not not on the uh, not on the air. All right. <laughs> but we also have the World School coming. We got the Main Ocean School coming. Got the Landing Boat School there. Uh, there's a new uh, effort called Fuel that's trying to build a boat for troubled kids and kids that are. And then we've got uh, uh, Dan Moreland called me up. Uh, he's the owner and captain of the Pitson Castle. Yeah, yeah. And and there he's going to be down uh, explaining to people how they can get on board for a trip into the Pacific in June on that. We've and, also got paths. And uh, so, that you know, for the kids that are coming in um, to see the 3D Durago, you know, they'll have the opportunity to to take a look at some of these opportunities for them to get into a formal learning, to get some time on boats. The Gamage uh, group is going to be there. Um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, if 35% of the families have registered boats, where are the, where are the kids? We need them in our business. Mm. Talking to Phineas Sprague about the upcoming Maine Boat Builders show. Uh, you've been apparently doing it for... 33 years, you say, but as long as this years. radio station, obviously it's a marketing, uh, uh, you know, thing as well as a good time to get together and used to ruin my life uh, for a few years there because we'd always try to get stuff done for the boat show, okay, <laughs> and have to work uh, stupid hours and, and uh, you know, at least one time a uh, boat went out of the door on a cold day with wet paint on it, you know, and well, uh, froze it dry. Uh, uh, people don't. People like the boats that are half-finished. And that was going to be my other point. And then we find out that other people, you know, bringing half-finished, uh, you know, wherever you are, bring her down. That works, too. Bring it down. Yeah. And we, I also, I'm also going to bring a boat that is a barn find to the show. Um, we had a phone call from a guy that says, I'm, my brother passed away and I got this damn boat in the driveway and I sold his house. <laughs> And I, you know, I'm going to take it to the dumpster. What kind of boat? It's it's a Sunny Hodgson 25 foot lobster yacht. Oh, geez. Okay. You just right. saying. I know there's another one. Just saying, Sunny Hodgson is, you know, yeah. that's a boat. Yeah. And and the you know the boat has sat sat outside for a while and it's not in the best shape, but but um, we're going to put it right in the middle of the show, and uh, um, every you know let people poke at it we got tony terrio who's the surveyor is going to talk about surveying your boat and what a good survey is like we got uh, rick barkoff and and chris from our shop uh are going to go over the how you fix these things that that will have big numbers on the boat mm-hmm. for the the stuff that's wrong with it and then you know maybe we can get uh some of the paint companies to i mean the paint is actually peeling off this you can do it with your fingers and it, you know it was a paint application problem so there's a lot to learn about this boat and you know barn finds are cool can we talk to timmy hodgson and see if it's still got warranty on it um i i, I did <laughs> ask him about it but i didn't have the courage uh, boat's a few years old yeah boat's 1964 yeah Nice. Uh, lovely boat. The hull is just beautiful. The shape is beautiful. And, you know, it's the last of the, you know, it, it sort of fits in with the with the uh, 3D boat because, you know, it's the last of the small wooden built Lobster boats. boats yep. You know, really before they went into production fiberglass. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, and, and, you know, we're going to have an, uh, an uh, 1898 cat boat in there as well. Is that coming from Southport Island? It is. Yeah. Doug yeah. Goldhurst's boat. That's a Crosby, and, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, these things, are. it's worth contemplating it, you know, beside this 3D printed boat. It just blows my mind. And, again, the boat show is one of those places where just about everybody was walking around smiling, you know. And, 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 and because of it, that, you can talk to about anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful event. I'm uh, sorry you don't have it down to it just happens automatically, but, of course, it's a lot of work because it's a lot of boat show. This is a world-class event, partly because I like to point out a lot of boat shows are dealers. Uh, this is boat yards, uh, you know, people, uh, builders, uh, working working yards, basically. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, uh, world-class. But uh, it's also the people that come to the show. Yeah. 
You know, it's amazing. I figured the, the cruising club's going to bring with them about 4,000 years of boating experience. Well, last year on Sunday morning, this guy stopped by my booth. I had the book Lines by Olin Stevens on the thing, and he's going through it going, well, I did this, I did that. Come to find out, that was Roger Marshall, who was one of the top designers for Sparkman and Stevens. So and, you just and, never know who walks through that show. And, and, and the, thing that the, the really neat thing for me personally is to be able, you know, I want to see this Dorigo boat. You know, I want to I want to hear what 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 the paint companies have got, and I want to know what's new, and I want to know how you know what's going on with my friends. And this is a wonderful time to 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 see them all. So it's um there's a lot there's a lot of stuff goes on in between the vendors. There's a lot of stuff that goes between the people to just attend. So it's um and and then now we've really going to focus in on how do we get our next generation fired up about having a marine career and i don't care if you're an admiralty lawyer you know you've got lots you know if you love boats you know you you have that opportunity and i don't think we've done a good job explaining to these young kids that there is a marine career available that they would be happy with and and excited and be able to stay close to home then uh planet's mostly water and there's more coming. You know? right. and, it's good to be can, boat people. Yeah, and we know what to do with it. And and as long as there's it's quicker to row from Damascata or from some South Bristol to East Booth Bay, there's gonna be boats. That's right. Yep. So I'm not worried too worried about whether they're gonna be boats or not. It's it's getting more and more complicated to work on them. They're more and more like space capsules. They're 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 getting more and more technical, and it's they're good paying jobs. And uh, um, if you love boats, why not? Yeah. Hey, Finn. So uh, one more note for you this morning on our way out. Um, again, one of the classic books of my life, uh, "The Lore of the Labrador Wild," Dylan Wallace, and this is a story from the turn of the century, eighteen uh, nineteen hundred. And uh, again. Uh, absolute Labrador classic turns into a love story and uh, just phenomenal. I think there's uh, more than, uh, there's a couple books to it. Um, the Lore of the Labrador Wild, and then another book was written that looks over the whole story. I uh, can't think of the name of that right now, but Dylan Wallace, Lore of the Labrador yeah. Wild. If you've been up there, it will be a treasure for you. Well, I love that. And, and, and the if I can find you one, I'll so bring you one down to the boat show, which is, again, yeah. tell us exactly where and when, Finn. So, so it's it's March 20th, 21st, and 22nd, and it's at the Portland Sports Complex, and, and that's by um, what used to be Old Exit 8. And if you want more information, go to uh, portlandyacht.com, and, and all of the exhibitors are up on the list. The seminar schedule is changing. We're adding people, and it looks like we're, you're going to, instead of having, there'll be two seminars at the same time, so people will have to pick and choose yeah damn shame <laughs> it's, it's this, and the movies are the movie for the celestial is going to be great and i think we're looking for some more movies to show because we're going to get a really good projector we have to rent it and uh, we might as well run some more movies through it well i gave you a lot of stills 740 pitches of boat of that's boat right building. we're going to have and lobster have, boat uh, racing yeah we're going to have all of john's things are going to be on uh, projection. Uh, we're going to have some retro, you know, some some sad pictures of the old Portland company. Hmm. Um, oh, miss the old funky place. And once again, I had a, a Mason 44 captain job 14 years with the Learjet, and that guy who was out of Santa Fe never missed the boat show. Wouldn't even dream of missing your show. And was I, I don't heartbroken. Was heartbroken when you left the old the, the old funky place. Is part of the charm he loved about it, man. And you get that. So and and you know better too. So, Finn, they're gonna pipe us out. So good to talk to you today. Can't wait to see you down the boat show. So much for having me on. And, see you and Thursday. I'll see you in the weekend. Bye. All right. Again, uh, had a uh, fair time doing boat talk today without our friend Alan Sprague and a pun. Uh, <laughs> And thanks, John Johansson, for sitting in. And uh, the other John in the uh, engine room being the uh, engineer this morning. Folk talk out.
Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Finelli Pizzeria, 12 Down East Highway, Ellsworth, serving thin crust pizza pies and slices, craft beers, sandwiches and subs, and opening at 11 a.m. daily. 